Good evening. Good evening. Welcome to this Friday that we call good as we commemorate and remember what Christ has done for us. We remember that Christ has gone to the cross for our sake, and we remember that gift that he has bore for us this evening. We thank God that you are here with us as we remember this great gift, and we thank God as we worship our holy God this Good Friday as well. I invite you to join us the rest of this Holy Week on Saturday night or Sunday morning and welcome your friends to join us as we move from this somber night to the glory of God's resurrection this Easter weekend. We will celebrate with joy and music and enthusiasm that Christ will rise. And so, as we remember what he has done for us on the cross tonight, we anticipate what he has done with an empty tomb. And so we welcome you this evening and invite you to welcome our friends and neighbors this weekend as well. This evening, you will be able to follow along with us uh, fully in the bulletin, including our prayers after the passion reading and homily. You'll find everything you need this evening uh, in the bulletin, except for the hymns. Those hymns can be found in our green Lutheran Book of Worship in the rear portion of the hymnal. So be sure to look for those hymn numbers together this evening. And so we gather this night in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. First lesson is from Isaiah 53, 1 through 12. Who has believed what we have heard? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by others, a man of suffering and acquainted with infirmity. And as one from whom others hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him of no account. Surely he has borne our infirmities and carried our diseases. Yet we counted him stricken, struck down by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. 
Upon him was the punishment that made us whole, and by his bruises we are healed. And we like sheep have gone astray. We have all turned to our own way, and Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By a perversion of justice he was taken away. Who could have imagined his future? For he was cut off from the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. They made his grave with the wicked and his tomb with the rich. Although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him with pain. When you make his life an offering for sin, he shall see his offering, his offspring, and shall prolong his days. Through him the will of the Lord shall prosper. Out of his anguish he shall see light. He shall find satisfaction through his knowledge. The righteous one, my servant, shall make many righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will allot him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he poured out himself to death, and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the shadow of that prophecy, we celebrate and praise this one who has stricken. And so we praise Jesus as we sing hymn number 123. We stand to sing together.
the passion of our Lord, beginning in John chapter 18. After Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the Kidron Valley to a place where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place because Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas brought a detachment of soldiers together with police from the chief priests and the Pharisees. And they came there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all this was to happen to him, came forward and asked, Whom are you looking for? They answered, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus replied, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they stepped back and fell to the ground. Again, they asked him, he asked them, who are you looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So if you are looking for me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word that he had spoken. I did not lose a single one of those whom you gave me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it, struck the high priest's slave, and cut off his right ear. The slave's name was Malchus. Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword back into its sheath. Am I not to drink the cup that the Father has given me? So the soldiers, their officer, and the Jewish police arrested Jesus and bound him. First they took him to Annas, who was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest that year. Caiaphas was the one who had advised the Jews that it was better to have one person die for the people. Simon Peter and another disciple followed Jesus. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter was standing outside at the gate. So the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out, spoke to the woman who guarded the gate, and brought Peter in. The woman said to Peter, Are you not also one of this man's disciples? He said, I am not. Now the slaves and the police had made a charcoal fire because it was cold, and they were standing around it, warming themselves. Peter also was standing with them and warming himself. Then the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching. Jesus answered, I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in synagogues and in the temple, where all the Jews come together. I have said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who heard what I said to them. They know what I said. When he had said this, one of the police standing nearby struck Jesus on the face, saying, Is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered, If I have spoken wrongly, testify to the wrong. 
but if I have spoken rightly, why do you strike me? And Annas said, bound, sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. They asked him, you are not also one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the slaves of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Again, Peter denied that, and at that moment the cock crowed. Then they took Jesus from Caiaphas to Pilate's headquarters. It was early in the morning. They themselves did not enter the headquarters so as to avoid ritual defilement and to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered, If this man were not a criminal, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. The Jews replied, We are not permitted to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill what Jesus had said when he indicated the kind of death he was to die. Then Pilate entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you ask this on your own or did others tell you about me? Pilate replied, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Pilate asked him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Pilate asked him, What is truth? After he said this, he went out to the Jews again and told them, I find no case against him, but you have a custom that I release someone for you at the Passover. Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? They shouted in reply, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a bandit. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged, and the soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they dressed him in a purple robe. They kept coming up to him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and striking him on the face. 
Pilate went out again and said to them, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no case against him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Here is the man. When the chief priests and the police saw him, they shouted, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him. I find no case against him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law he ought to die, because he has claimed to be the Son of God. Now when Pilate heard this, he was more afraid than ever. He entered his headquarters again and asked Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Pilate therefore said to him, Do you refuse to speak to me? Do you not know that I have power to release you and power to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no power over me unless it had been given you from above. Therefore the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to release him, but the Jews cried out, If you release this man... You are no friend of the emperor. Everyone who claims to be a king sets himself against the emperor. When Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus outside and sat on the judge's bench at a place called the Stone Pavement, or in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation for the Passover, and it was about noon. He said to the Jews, Here is your king. They cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate asked them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but the emperor. And then he handed him over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus. And carrying the cross by himself, he went out to what is called the place of the skull, which in Hebrew is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on either side, with Jesus between them. Pilate also had an inscription written and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read the inscription because the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city and it was written in Hebrew, in Latin, and in Greek. Then the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the King of the Jews, but this man said, I am the King of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. And when the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and divided them into four parts, one for each soldier. They also took his tunic. Now the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from the top. So they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see who will get it. 
This was to fulfill what the scripture says. They divided my clothes among themselves, and for my clothing they cast lots. And that is what the soldiers did. Meanwhile, standing near the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing beside her, he said to his mother, Woman, here is your son. Then he said to the disciple, Here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. After this, when Jesus knew that all was now finished, he said, in order to fulfill the scripture, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was standing there. So they put a sponge full of the wine on a branch of hyssop and held it out to his mouth. When Jesus had received the wine, he said, It is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Since it was the day of preparation, the Jews did not want the bodies left on the cross during the Sabbath, especially because that Sabbath was a day of great solemnity. So they asked Pilate to have the legs of the crucified men broken and the bodies removed. Then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead. They did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once blood and water came out. He who saw this has testified so that you also may believe. His testimony is true, and he knows that he tells the truth. These things occurred so that the scripture might be fulfilled. None of his bones shall be broken. And again, another passage of Scripture says, They will look on the one whom they have pierced. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, though a secret one because of his fear of the Jews, asked Pilate to let him take away the body of Jesus. Pilate gave him permission, so he came and removed his body. Nicodemus, who had first come to Jesus by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, weighing about a hundred pounds. They took the body of Jesus and wrapped it with the spices and linen cloth, according to the burial custom of the Jews. 
Now there was a garden in the place where he was crucified, and in the garden there was a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. And so because it was the Jewish day of preparation and the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. does love sound like? A nervous heartbeat, perhaps? A romantic walk along the shore? A jewelry box being unwrapped? A wedding song? A newborn baby's cry? What does love sound like this Good Friday? An angry mob. beating by Roman soldiers. <sighs> A mother crying. some nails, and a savior. A final breath. is how we know what love is. That Jesus Christ laid down His life for us. There are many sounds of love, but only one that is eternal. Only one that defeats death. Only one that finally deals with our sin. Ultimate love is ultimately found in the cross of Christ. Life is often full of questions. And in the shadow of this cross, 
in the echo of the sound of this ultimate love. We'll take those questions to the cross this evening and see how the sound of this love answers those cries of our hearts. Like, does God love us? Or does life even have meaning or significance? We're with evil and brokenness in this world. Why is there so much heartache? Or is sin really that bad to make all this fuss? And how do we know that God is truly just and loving and merciful? All of these questions get answered in the echoes of those sounds of love from the cross. Jesus lays down his life for us to reveal his love. Yes, in this life we feel broken sometimes, even heartache. And yes, we ask the question, why? And whatever else we may not understand about God, in spite of those questions, we know this. And we know this from the cross. He loves us. Historians have little doubt these days that Jesus lived and died. But for what purpose? We know, we confess, it's love, redemption, salvation, a new covenant for us on this Passover night, this Good Friday ushers in a new covenant. And those unanswered questions of suffering and heartache of this world that have led so many of us to wonder if God is truly good get answered in the cross. Because in the cross, we discover God's ultimate heart for us. It's true in these days of in-between, now and eternity, not all of our why questions fully feel satisfactorily answered. But the what, that Jesus loves us, that God loves us, that he is for us, is intimately made clear on the cross. And we can then live with the why questions and the echoes of that love. Even the how question get answered. How will this end? The cross tells us that the suffering of this world no longer will have the final sound. Imagine someone you know, perhaps a parent or a coworker, maybe someone you never really understood or felt like they never really understood you. Or maybe even perhaps you can imagine one of our brave soldiers who has laid down his life for one of his friends. Whether it's someone you knew or someone you know or someone that you can imagine, 
that act of sacrifice clears up any room for doubt on that person's commitment of love for you. How much more so that is true for our perfect Lord? The echoes of this sound of love tell us that God's suffering on the cross, He does it out of love so that our present sufferings will not have the final word. And what are Jesus' final words? We read in English, it is finished. Or in Greek, totalistai. My love for Greek word studies began in this text when a dear friend who was ahead of me in his studies, Nate, shared his research. This word, totalistai, that we translate into it is finished is a word of completion, of sealing. In history, this word in the first century was used over contracts that had been fulfilled and sealed. And so now in this new covenant, Jesus says, with His final dying breath, totalistai, it is finished. The relationship, the covenant between God and man has been sealed. This word is often also used when a debt was paid. In English, we might use a stamp in like manner, paid in full. Tetelestai tells us that the debt that separated us from God, these words, it is finished, tell us that Jesus has crossed the gulf that separated us from God. And the echoing sounds of His love, it is finished, tell us we have been paid in full. The relationship between God and humanity has now been sealed with these words of Jesus, with His act of love on the cross. And who is this completed for? Well, we know. We know all too well, for God so loved the world, whoever believes in Him. That belief in Him is so crucial. Some commentators think that one of the reasons at this moment in time that Jesus entrusted His own mother to one of His disciples instead of His own brothers is because they had yet to believe. We don't know for sure, but what we do know for sure is that putting our trust into these words of love is certain. This promise is secure. Jesus is inviting us to hear His Word, to hear His sound of love and believe. Still have questions? Would Jesus have 
died if sin wasn't so serious? He takes it oh so seriously that he would go to this cross. This cross that Cicero is famously quoted as saying the cruelest and foulest of punishments. We discover that God is both fully just and fully merciful when he goes to the cross for us. He provides that mercy not with mere sentiment. When we're in relationship with one another, it's not sentimental feelings that let us know that our loved one truly loves us. It's action. It's sacrifice, isn't it? And so Jesus doesn't just love us in theory. We're not separated by an idea from God. We're separated by the reality of our sin. And so He needs to restore us with the reality of real actions. Real actions on the cross. And so Jesus responds with real sacrificial love. Sin separates us from God with a price a hundred hundred lifetimes could never earn. But Jesus says it's finished. It's paid in full. To Telestai, He pays it for us. In John chapter 10, He tells us that He came that we would have life and life abundantly. And the cross completes that gift of life that God began first at creation. He seals it on the cross to make it possible to do what we could not do by ourselves to once again walk with God. Yes, that first covenant was marked by the blood of the Lamb. And this second covenant now with God's Jesus, Jesus' own blood. Did you know that that blood and water that poured out from him not only told the readers in the first century and tells us today that this was a real death and a real sacrifice for us. The church quickly began to use it as an image too. The water and blood that flowed would symbolize His real presence in the waters of baptism and the cup of Holy Communion. Jesus is really present in this historical moment that transformed all of us. The sound of ultimate love is echoing through the centuries. And it echoes here again tonight. I pray straight to your heart and to mine. The author of Lamentations writes, Is it nothing to you all who pass by? And so I ask you, why not believe? Bring your questions to the cross. Why not receive? This is a free gift for you tonight. Why not let this love transform your heart tonight? Let the Holy Spirit be at work in His Word. 
And that the ringing of that hammer and nail remind us of Jesus' final words. That sound of love on the cross. It is finished. Amen. Let us continue to praise this loving God. Hymn number 117. as you are able for the prayers.
Let us pray, brothers and sisters, for the holy church of God throughout the world, that God the Almighty Father guide it and gather it together so that we may worship him in peace and tranquility. Almighty and eternal God, you have shown your glory to all nations in Jesus Christ. Guide the work of the church. Help it to persevere in faith. Proclaim your name and bring salvation to people everywhere. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us pray for our pastors and other ministers for all servants of the church, and for all the people of God. Almighty and eternal God, your spirit guides the church and makes it holy. Strengthen and uphold our pastors and our leaders. Keep them in health and safety for the good of the church. And help each of us to do faithfully the work to which you have called us. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us pray for those preparing for baptism that God make them responsive to his love and give them new life in Jesus Christ. Almighty and eternal God, you continually bless the church with new members. Increase the faith and understanding of those preparing for baptism. Give them a new birth as your children and keep them in the faith and communion of your holy church. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us pray for all our brothers and sisters who share our faith in Jesus Christ, that God may gather and keep together in one church all those who know Christ as Lord. Almighty and eternal God, you give your church its unity Look with favor on all who follow Jesus, your son. We are all consecrated to you by our baptism. Make us one in the fullness of faith and keep us one in the fellowship of love. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Let us pray for the Jewish people, the first to hear the word of God, that they may receive the fulfillment of the covenant's promises. Almighty and eternal God, long ago, you gave your promise to Abraham and his posterity. Hear the prayers of your church, that the people you first made your own may arrive with us at the fullness of redemption. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Let us pray for those who do not believe in Christ, that the light of the Holy Spirit may show them the way of salvation. Almighty and eternal God, enable those who do not acknowledge Christ to receive the truth of the gospel. Help us, your people, to grow in love for one another, to grasp more fully the mystery of your Godhead, and so to become more perfect witnesses of your love in the sight of all people. We ask this through Christ the Lord. Amen. Amen. Let us pray for those who do not believe in God, that they may find him who is the author and goal of our existence. Almighty and eternal God, you created humanity so that all might long to know you and have peace in you. 
Grant that in spite of the hurtful things that stand in their way, they may all recognize in the lives of Christians the tokens of your love and mercy and gladly acknowledge you as the one true God and Father of us all. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Let us pray for those who serve in public office, that God may guide their minds and hearts so that all of us may live in true peace and freedom. Almighty and eternal God, you are the champion of the poor and oppressed. In your goodness, watch over those in authority so that people everywhere may enjoy justice, peace, freedom, and a share in the goodness of your creation. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Let us pray that God, the Almighty and Merciful Father, may heal the sick, comfort the dying, give safety to travelers, free those unjustly deprived of liberty, and rid the world of falsehood, hunger, and disease. Almighty and eternal God, you give strength to the weary and new courage to those who have lost heart. Hear the prayers of all who call on you in any trouble, that they may have the joy of receiving your help in their need. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let's pray together as Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. You may remain standing as we sing together our final hymn, hymn 109, and then we will silently depart in peace. 